Thank you for joining in with Salt and Light Ministry. Please stay tuned as we dive into the heart of God. Amen. The name above all names. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, just, oh, Jesus. Jesus, I'm going to get him behave myself real quick. Uh, I mean, y'all just buckle up because next week, we're gonna we're gonna dive into a six part series called the definition of a Christian. So, but you can come back for that next week. I, I just kind of want to take for just a few moments. Uh, uh, Reverend Erdo was here this morning to bring us God's heart this morning, and it's such a, a privilege and an honor to me because. Uh, uh, me and Brother Earl will not just go way back because we grew up in the same church, but he's also blood. He he is blood. Uh, as far as he's 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 a cousin of mine. He's my cousin, and I'm just so thankful for him that he is. Baby, turn number two down for me, baby. That he has accepted the call, and and the Lord just laid it on my heart to reach out to him a couple months ago. And to get him to come to bring us God's heart, so he's had uh, he's had ha- ample amount of time to hear what God has for us today. And the very same word that he's bringing today is for each person that's sitting here, because there's a revelation that God wants to speak to each one of you. And if you leave, if you leave without taking that treasure that was being deposited into you today, then it's your own fault. Yeah, he, he's just the mailman. He's just going to uh, deliver the mail that God has, has given him. So he's just the carrier. Uh, and Brother Earl goes back with me quite a few ways as far as uh, when, when, I, uh, when I was a young adult, which means I'm, I'm a middle-aged adult now, right? That's, that's about how that goes. So when I was a young adult, uh, Brother Earl used to be my Sunday school teacher. And, and that goes back, I think I, that might have been when he first stepped into that role, him and uh, Brother Donald at that time. And uh, I, I just thought that, that the words that they spoke, uh, it's like the way that they had it, uh, the Lord just used them in such a way that the words just levitated off of the page. And it just it sank right into my heart. And, and I know that that was just a revelation. Uh, and, and these were just things that I didn't understand at the time. But as I've matured in God, uh, I've learned to understand uh, some of the depths of God. Uh, but without delay, I want to get him invite Brother Earl to come. If y'all just give him a hand clap this morning. Brother Earl, God bless you. God bless you, brother. Just be obedient. His name is Jesus. That's who we can come to talk to you about today. We'll be coming from Luke chapter 7, verses 19 and 22. And while you, you all are looking for that, I want to thank Pastor James, Pastor Rex, for this opportunity that he's um, given me this morning, God, to come and speak God's word to you all today. Um, give blessings to my wife for being with me this morning. My friend Mike and friend Ashley and Ephraim, thank you for coming this morning. And thank you all for showing up as well. And um, we did come to talk about the name of Jesus. And I like to tell folks when I go to give a message, I, I don't, I, I, God gives me an opportunity to come and bring hope. God comes to give me an opportunity when I come to remind people of who he is. And that's what I came here this morning is to remind you of who he is to you. And it reads like this. And John 
calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus. Referring by, we're referring to John the Baptist here. Saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way, and tell John what things you have seen and heard. How that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor of the gospel, to the poor of the gospel is preached. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to stand to preach your word this morning. God, no longer I, but you that lives within me. God, help me to teach your word this morning with clarity, with knowledge and understanding. God, I'm going to give you all glory and honor, God, for us. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. As I was reading that scripture, it made me think about that can happen to us sometimes. How, how that... In our spiritual life and our Christian walk, we can have doubt and uncertainty sometimes. Regardless of what we've been taught to say or have, have heard others say, sometimes because of what we are experiencing or going on in our life right now at this moment, doubt and uncertainty sometimes creep in, and we just don't understand why things are happening like they are. And when we read Luke, we see that John was kind of having a similar situation. He was... He was wondering if Jesus was who he says he is. If Jesus was the one that they had, been, they had heard about, and if he was the one they had been talking about. The one they had been talking about for, for centuries. You know, God's going to send them aside. God's going to send someone that's going to deliver us. You know, and he just, he just wanted to know because at this moment in time in John's life, he is in prison. You know, he is in prison. And it made me think back to when I first became a Christian. I think I was about two years in. As a matter of fact, in a couple of weeks, it'll be 25 years ago that I got saved. But I remember about, I'd been saved about two years, and uh, my wife, Gina, was pregnant with our second child, Lacey. And we had Mother's Day celebration, and we went to bed that night, and we woke up early the next morning, and Gina was in labor. Now, this is May, and Lacey wasn't due until the first part of June. And so we weren't, we weren't for sure if this was labor, if this was early, but Gina was sure it was a labor. So we go to the emergency room, and they admit her, and they, 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 they begin the process of, you know, delivering the baby. And so Lacey is born, and Lacey is born with her, her umbilical cord wrapped around her neck twice. I got to bear in mind now she's a month early, and she wasn't breathing, and they take her off to the other side or just in the room, but just over to another little table. And Gina's, you know, worried about Lacey. And, and honestly, I haven't thought one time about praying because it's happening so fast. And as a, as a father, I'm looking and I'm, I, there's some doubt is that is she going to make it? Because at the moment that they took her from us, she wasn't breathing. You know, so a little bit of doubt and uncertainty is in my mind as a young Christian. Now, I'm looking over there, and she's not breathing, and they're working on her, and Gina's want me to go, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do, you know, other than what just watch from, from a closer distance? But it wasn't just a couple, it seemed like forever, but it was just a few seconds that they had her heart beating and everything was good. And it was my first opportunity to see who Jesus is. And I just couldn't remind you just this morning that he is still the one. Amen. Jesus is still the one. 
John asked the question, are you he or should we continue to look for another? You got to remember who John the Baptist was. He was the forerunner for Christ. We know that. So John was just asking, dude, are you the one or do I just, just need to keep preparing people for someone else that's coming? And you got to notice that Jesus didn't answer the question directly. If you notice, I left out a couple of scriptures there. And when the disciples asked Jesus, was he the one? Jesus just turned and he began to do the same things that he had been doing. The scripture says that he turned from the, the John's disciples and he began to heal the deaf. He began to heal the lame. He began to heal people from their diseases. Then he turned and told John what to go. Turned and told John's disciples what to go back and tell John. He healed a man's servant. In, in chapter seven, we see that as as we read, getting up to the scripture, we see that he healed a man's servant. And the servant wasn't wasn't physically present. So Jesus healed him from a distance and people began to talk about it. Jesus came upon a funeral procession. He touched the stretcher and the dead boy was raised from the dead. And people started talking about Jesus even more. And the people were saying a great prophet has risen up among us and God has visited his people. And so the news about Jesus, who he, had, who he was and what he was doing was starting to spread. But during this time, John the Baptist was in prison. We got to remember that. So his disciples told him what was going on. And so while John was in prison, as I just said, he sent his two disciples to ask, to ask him, Art thou he that should come or do we need to look for another? And in other words, are you the one or do we need to look for someone else? For whatever reason, John had his doubt. John was a little concerned in this. Is this really Jesus? Now, he wasn't doubting that Jesus wasn't coming. He wasn't doubting that the Messiah was a coming. He just didn't know for sure if Jesus was the Messiah. He was just wanting that revelation that Jesus was the Messiah. John was a little concerned. Is this really Jesus? And he is. Is he the promised Messiah? Is this the anointed one of God? Is he the one or do we need to look for another? And it's possible that some of us might have a day when we are just a little concerned or maybe a little doubtful. Lord, are you really the one or do we need to look for another? John must have had been having that kind of day, a day of concern, a day when he was going. He was just a little confused, a day when he had some doubts because of what was going on. In his life. And before I go a little further, maybe you've been in that same situation and maybe God's come through for you. But life has happened and you're going through some you going through some struggles again in your life and you're wondering, are you still the one? Are you still? I mean, I, I, I believe I, I had that relationship with you before and you showed you revealed yourself to me so many times. But in our in our in our physical man, the flesh that we live in, we have frailty. We, 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 fall, we, we fall from the grace of God, and sometimes we're, we're a Christian, but we're just missing things. You know, maybe we're not talking to God like we used to. You know, maybe we're not you know, reading our word like we used to. For whatever reason, we're not as close to God as we, need, as we, as we once were, and, and life happens. And here we are wondering if he is still the one. And I just can't even remind you that he is still the one. And the first thing I want to point out, is days of concern. In verse 19, the Bible says, John sent two disciples 
to Jesus and they asked, are you the one or should we look for another? We didn't understand that John the Baptist was a man of faith. He was filled with the Holy Spirit while he was in his mother's room. He preached, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He cried in the wilderness, repair ye the way of the way of God is at hand. He cried in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. He challenged people who wanted to be baptized to bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. He rebuked Herod because he was committing adultery with his brother's wife. He was a man of faith. And because of his rebuke of Herod, you got to remember in this passage of scripture, John the Baptist is in prison. The Lord wasn't physically present. John wasn't seeing the miracles. John wasn't experiencing the miracles. So he seemed to have some doubts or concerns. And he wanted to ask Jesus, are you the one or do we need to start looking for another? John had preached, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. But right now he's in a prison. He might, not, he might be thinking, where is the kingdom of God? He preached the wrath that was about to come. But right now he's in prison and he might be thinking, where is God's kingdom? He might have known the prophecies about Christ who was set captives free, but right now he's in prison and he might be thinking, where is the kingdom? Regardless of how courageous and committed John had been, the prison he was in caused him to be a little concerned, a little confused about everything that was going on. And he had to ask, are you the one that we look for another? This was John the Baptist having these concerns. And yours and, and my ex prison experiences can, can cause us to be doubtful and feel uncertain at times. But, uh, but us and John, the Baptists, we have company. We're not the only ones that have gone through this. As we search the Bible, we find other solid, good servants of God who have moments of doubt and times when they were just not certain about the plan and purpose of God in their own very lives. Times that it may have said, God, I just don't understand what's going on. And it was that way for Abraham. Abraham had the fate to leave home because God called him and made him a promise. But before Isaac was born, the son of promise, the uncertainty of age caused him to have a child through a handmaid. Moses had the fate to follow God as he led the children of Israel out of Egypt and through the wilderness, but uncertainty of provision caused him to strike the rock for water instead of speaking to it like God said. And Elijah had the faith to pray for it not to rain and again for it to, to rain, but the uncertainty of, of support caused him to run away from everyone and pray to God, pray to die. Now here we see Abraham left... So you got to understand Abraham's um, leaving his homeland. You know, Abraham was idol worshiper. He was from a, a land of idol worshipers. That's what his father was. So his experience with God, when God told him to leave, that's his first experience. And the Bible says in Romans that, that he believed God and God counted it to him as righteousness. Because of Abraham, Abraham's faith was so strong in God God said his faith makes him righteous. That's the very man that we're talking about here. But in the moment of his certainty with his age about the promise of the, of the son that he was going to be blessed and his, his, his seed was going to be like the sands of the seashore, he, he, he became uncertain because of his age and it wasn't happening. He was looking at how old he was getting. His wife came up with this great plan. 
You know, we can, you could just sleep with one of your handmaids. You can have the son of promise, but that was not God's design. And you got to understand that sometimes when you mess up, that doesn't mean God's plan for your life has changed. God still gave Abraham Isaac, but he failed before he gave him Isaac. But then later on in Abraham's life, the Bible said Isaac was a young man and God, he, God told him to say, go up and sacrifice your son. And the Bible said they gathered the wood and they gathered everything. They began to go up, begin to go up to the mountaintop to sacrifice. And Isaac asked his father a question. He said, I see the wood and I see the altar. But God, I, Father, I don't see no sacrifice. He, and he told him, he said, God will provide himself. A sacrifice, giving a revelation towards Jesus Christ, the one we're reminding you about this morning. But this man of great faith, he failed God at a moment in his life. And look at Moses. We know how God called Moses to deliver his people. Millions of people he led across the wilderness. And the Bible said there was a time in that journey that they were standing at the Red Sea. And the Bible said that Moses, at God's word, lifted out his hands with his staff and the Bible says the water parted. Can you imagine being the one that's standing on the banks of the Red Sea and God tells you to hold out the staff and the water is just the deliverance is right in your hands because you're being obedient to God. But yet all these things that Moses did, all this, all this obedience to God that Moses gave to God and he served God. There was a moment in this time when he got frustrated with God's people and they're murmuring and complaining and God wasn't moving fast enough. And instead of speaking to the rock, the Bible says that Moses hid it. He was still God's man, but he made a mistake. And it's just the same way in our lives. We make mistakes, but that doesn't change God's purpose and plan. For our life, he is still the one that saved you. He is still the one that's been with you all this time. And Elijah, we know about the showdown on Mount Carmel. The Bible says it had rained for three and a half years, I think it was, if I remember correctly. And it was because of Elijah's prayer that it had rained for three and a half years. And the Bible says that they had this little... They, 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 there was like 450 prophets of Baal there at Mount Carmel. And, and, and I, Elijah came up with this idea. He said, you take a calf and I'll take a calf. I think it was a bull. But anyway, they, they had a sacrifice. You take one and I'll take one. You, you offer yours to your God, I offer yours, I offer one to my God. He said, and the one that comes down and consumes the sacrifice by fire, let him be the one true God. And Elijah was so faithful, he was so committed to God, and he believed in God so faithfully, he said, you can go first. And the Bible says they started around the morning time, the prophets of Baal, and they began to pray to their gods. And time and time passed, and it said it got around noontime. And I may miss some things, I'm giving some translation, but it's got the same point. And he, they said it got around noontime, and Elijah began to pick at them. You know, so he began to pick at it about how their God hadn't showed up yet. And it said it wasn't long. They began to cut themselves, the prophets of Baal, you know, towards the, to their God. But after a little while had passed, the Bible says he was getting close to the time of the evening sacrifice. They said that it was Elijah's turn. And said he told the people that was there, I think it was four, four big, big jars to pour on the sacrifice. They dug trenches around the altar first. 
said they poured four big, big jars of water on the sacrifice. They were wetting the sacrifice. Now, it hasn't rained in three and a half years. So they're pouring water on top of the sacrifice. And they did it, and then he told me, he said, do it again. So they poured it the second time, the four big, big jars onto the sacrifice. And then they done it, and he said, now do it again. So they took the third time, and they poured it on there. And they said they poured so much water, so it was all in the trenches. But then Elijah began to pray, and as soon as he, he began to pray to his God and to our God, the Bible says he consumed the sacrifice with fire. And it dried up the trenches. It dried up the water in the trenches. and everything. Nobody was hurt, but the power came down from God and he consumed the sacrifice. But after all of that, he had a conversation with Ahab, who was the king. And they talked about the rain. And he told him, he said, go. He told him, he told the man to go out there and look for, said he saw a cloud about the hand, size of a man's hand. And said so it wasn't long, it began to rain. And, and Ahab, King Ahab, went home and told his wife, King, um, Queen Jezebel, what had happened by the hands of Elijah through God. And she said, she sent word that said, this day, tomorrow, you'll be just like the prophets of Baal. And the Bible says, after all this great, mighty miracle that, that Elijah had performed by the hand of God, the Bible says that he, be, he ran. And he was sitting upon a tree when the angel of God found him. Just because he had a moment of doubt and uncertainty didn't change his plan and purpose that God had for his life. The Bible says that God sent an angel to him, found him where he was at, told him he needed to eat, eat up for the journey was going to be great. He was going to need that to make it. And he continued to do God. And matter of fact, when he left from there, it was his time to go and, and, and anoint some kings and, to, and, and anoint his successor, Elisha. But after all that great miracle, there was some doubt and uncertainty in Elijah's life. The point is, John wasn't the only one who has experienced a prison that caused, us, caused him to doubt. A prison that created a little uncertainty or confusion about the plan and purpose of God. And if that was the case for John and others, it's possible that it might be the way, way with us. We find ourselves in a prison experience. And sometimes we ask God, Lord, are you really the one? Or do we look, need to look for another? And sometimes that's not what we ask God. Sometimes we just quit doing what God's called us to do. Some folks just slip back into sin. But some folks don't even slip back. They, they, don't, they don't slip back into sin. They just kind of play with sin a little bit. They still confess in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They're just not doing what God called them to do. For us, it might be a prison of sickness. We've heard that God is, a healing, is healing and working miracles for so many others. But we are still dealing with sickness at our own house. Our family and friends are still in the hospital. So we feel like Life asking, Lord, are you really the one or do we need to look for another? And maybe it's a prison of struggles. Maybe you're just battling and you're just dealing with something. We've heard that God has delivered and set others free. God has restored families. God has blessed churches. But nothing has changed in our house. Nothing has changed in our church. Our hearts are still broken. We are continuing to cry ourselves to sleep. And it makes us want to ask God. Are you the one or do we really need to look for another? John was there 
It was, the, it was a day when he was concerned, a day when he was a little confused, and a day when there was a little doubt. He was just in a place. They said those prisons was dark and cold back in those days, and he's in prison, and he's been, he's been, can you imagine a man that's been working and doing what God has called him to do, and now he's in a prison, and he's, here about all, he's hearing about all these things about this man named Jesus, and, he's warning, he, and he knows he's supposed to be preparing a way for the Messiah. But he can't see the Messiah for himself. He, he can't go for himself and, and put his hand and see the works that he's doing to know so God can confirm to him that he's the Messiah. And, but he's in a prison and he's wondering. He sends word and he asks, are you the one? It's the same way with us when we're going through our prison of sickness, our struggles or whatever it may be. When we're there, we may not see God. We may not feel God. We may, things just may be just going on in our lives and we just can't grasp God like we used to. And we just ask God, are you still the one? And I remember this song, it just, I was over there and it popped in my mind. I don't know why it popped in my mind. And it was a song that Michael McDonald sung. He may be still being with the Doobie Brothers. But he said, the line says, I keep forgetting we're not in love anymore. So I keep forgetting things will never be the same again. And what you need to know about Jesus is, is that you may have fell out of love with Jesus, but he has not fallen, fallen out of love with you. Amen. Amen. That song may have been true for the man that wrote it and sung it, but it's not true for a Christian. Amen. Because Jesus never falls out of love with us. Amen. So no matter what kind of days of confusion that you're having, days of concern that you're having about what's going on in life. You need to remember that Jesus never falls out of love with you. And Jesus is still the one. He is still the one. And the second thing I want to talk to you about is days of confidence. After John's disciples asked Jesus, was he the one? The Bible tells us the same hour. Jesus healed many people of their diseases and sicknesses. He opened the eyes of those who were blind. He, del he delivered some from evil spirits. And he told the disciples in verse 22, go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard. Go be a witness and tell John about the words of the Lord. Let him know that, uh, that the gospel is being preached. Go be a witness and tell John about the word of the Lord and the prophecies of the Messiah are being fulfilled. Let me preach it to you this way this morning. Let them know. I am still the one, the eternal son of God. I am still the one who left heaven and earth. I am still the one who came to seek and save those who are lost. I am still the one who came to be a sacrifice for sin. I am still the one who would die on the cross for the, for the sins of the world, but would get up again on the, from the grave on the third day. I am still the one who will go away and prepare a place for you who all that believe. And I am still the one who will come back one day for those who have trusted me. I am still the one who is the only one, only way to heaven. Tell John, regardless of the place he is in, the problems he is having, or the people around him, that I am still the one. Jesus said, tell John, no matter where he's at in his life, the prison that he's in right now does not change the fact that I am the one that came to die for his sins. I am the one that he has been talking about. I'm the one. When he said he was preparing a way to prepare your way for, you know, for one that's coming, 
I am the one. He said, let him know that I'm performing miracles. I'm doing what the prophet Isaiah said. That I, I mean, in Isaiah, I think it's chapter 60, he talks about how he'll be, um, he'll be healing people about being lame from the sicknesses. And he even talks about the names that he had that we sung in one of these songs er earlier about being wonderful, the counselor, mighty God, prince of peace. You know, he said, remind John that you let John know that I am the one. I am still the one. And I'm not sure what type of prison or struggle that you may be happening, having in your life today or how it may be causing moments of uncertainty or doubt. But I want to declare unto you, Jesus is the one. He's the Savior. He's our Savior. And he's my Savior. He's the healer. He's the sanctifier. He's the soon coming king. He is the one that will never and there will never be another. So if we want to move from a day of concern or confusion to a day of clarity and confidence, let's remember a few things that remind us that Jesus is still the one, that he is still the one. Is everybody still with me? Does this make sense? I want to remind you of the power of God. And one, the, one, the number one thing that you need to know about the power of God is there's no limits. None whatsoever. No matter what you're going through in life, the man that saved you can keep you saved. The man that's healed you can keep you healed. The man that's delivered you from drugs and alcohol or from whatever it was, he will keep you delivered from drugs and alcohol. He is still the one because of his power. There are no limits. We put limits on God, but he is limitless. The second thing I want to remind you is the principles of God. His doctrine, his rule of conduct, the way we are supposed to live. If we want to have a right relationship with him, we can never forget the principles of God. That we're supposed to live and act and speak a certain way here on this earth. And the third thing is praying to God. We've got to spend time in communication with him so we can know him more. Can't tell nobody about Jesus if you haven't been talking to Jesus. You got to read his word. You know, you got to spend time with him. And the last thing is praising God. We must learn from the benefits of giving God his daily reverence. Of putting time aside to spend with God or or as I told you all that when they were over there um, working on Lacey when she was born, trying to get her heartbeat going, I told you it happened so fast, I hadn't even thought about praying. But as a God-fearing Christian, if I'm living according to God's word, that should be the first thing that crosses my mind in a moment of tragedy. Yes. Does this make sense? Yes. I just couldn't remind you this morning that he's still the one. Nothing new. Just something to make you flex a little bit. Those who do that, that like to watch wrestling, you see the guys that like to do this. Now, you see athletes that like to stretch their arms out like this, like that. But that's what God did for us. That's what Jesus did for us. He stretched his arms like this on the cross. And he took all, all our sins that we would, have, we would have to live in mediocrity. We could live knowing that God, that Jesus is still the one. And I got another experience I want to tell you about the 
confusion and doubt that can happen in your life and maybe you're not where you need to be at and, and you forget, you know, at that moment when tragedy happens that the first thing you don't think about is praying or giving God glory. About five years ago, me and my wife were in a car accident. And it wasn't to happen. You know, you've heard people say growing up that, you know, I got time to get right, you know. And they'll say, what happens if you, you know, get in the car? I'll ask God to forgive me. Right, let me tell you something. Accidents happen so quick, you don't have time to think about anything. And, and this accident happened from behind. We were on, um, we were on Highway 24 coming home from Fayetteville heading, heading west. And we were in between Archerville and Roseboro, if you know anything about that. But I'm heading this way, heading, heading, heading um, east. And I look up in my rearview mirror, and this young guy clips us from the back, like he, was, like he was trying to race. And he clipped the back end on my side, on the driver's side, and he spun us out. And on the police report, the, the trooper told us that we flipped about 300 and some feet, which is close to a football field. But you know what didn't cross my mind when I looked up and saw that young man in the rearview mirror right before he hit me? Was praying. It never crossed my mind. Not because I wasn't a Christian and maybe not even because I wasn't where I needed to be at, but it happened so quick. But God is so faithful that even though I did not, I, I remember looking up in the mirror and I told my wife, I, I said, oh, my Lord, just that quick. And he clipped us and we began to flip. We spun out, we began to flip. And I, I can remember counting, hold on to the steering wheel. And it seemed like, once again, like eternity. Like a long time had passed, but it was just a few seconds. I can remember flipping. And I was just, just holding on. But right now, honestly, I can't tell you that I remember praying or anything. All I can remember was holding on for my dear life. But can I tell you that when you forget to pray and you got a relationship with God, He's in the gap. Can I tell you that when you forget to do things, that, that God doesn't hold that against you? But we need to be equipped that when things happen like this, that we're ready to, to call on God's name. And I remember when we, we quit flipping and we were on all four, well, three tires. We were sitting flat. And I remember looking at my wife, asking where she was, asking was she okay. And I can remember then giving God a little bit of glory. You know, thanking God for, for, for keeping us safe. But at the moment in the tragedy when it happened, I'm not telling you I had doubt. I'm not telling you I had uncertainty. I'm just telling you praying never crossed my mind. I said, oh, Lord. I, know, I, I remember saying that because I, I saw the young man right before he hit us. But I did not give God any. I did, I, but God is faithful. So no matter where we're at in life, God's not waiting to tap us in our head and say, well, you're not doing right right now, so now I'm going to take you out. Our God is loving. And he just wants to remind you this morning, no matter what you're struggling with, or maybe you're not struggling right now, but maybe life's going to bring some struggles your way. I'm, I'm here to kind of remind you before it happens that God's going to be there with you. And he's going to see it, and he's going to send you an encouraging word like he did to John. Because when the disciples went back and told John, this is what Jesus is doing. He's healing the lame. He's healing the sick. The deaf that could not hear this morning, now they can hear. That's what Jesus is doing. 
So John knew right then that he needed to keep working because Jesus was working. And we all know that one time in, later on in life, you know, they're down at the Jordan River and John's baptizing and Jesus makes his appearance. And the Bible says the dove appears, you know, and he descends down on Jesus and, and, and John begins to declare that he's the Messiah. And the Bible says that he, you know, and, and, we, and we all know that this happened later on in John the Baptist's life, but at that moment in time, you know, he had some doubt and uncertainty. But that doubt and uncertainty in John the Baptist's life did not change the fact, did not change his purpose and his plan. Because eventually he got to see who he was being a forerunner for in person. He got, he got to see him in the flesh. So this morning, I just can't even remind you that whoever you thought Jesus was when you got saved, he is still that man. Amen. That when you met Jesus at the altar, wherever your altar was, wherever your altar, do you remember where your altar was? Yes. Wherever your altar was, that Jesus that you met there that day, today he's the same Jesus at this altar. Yes. Yes. When you go home this afternoon or at work later on this week, the struggles and things that come up in your life, he is that same Jesus. Yes. The one that saved you the first time when you weren't trying to live right at all. He's the one that died for your sins. And this is something that we can say because we live now is that Jesus died for my sins when I didn't even exist. He knew I was going to exist. So he died for me, but no one else knew I was existing. Yet he died for me anyway. When Jesus stretched his arms on the cross and he told, he said, father, he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was talking about me. He was talking about me. Not just those that were there that day that was putting those nails in his hands and that was spitting on him and mocking him. He was talking about me also. He was talking about you. He is still the one. So if you're here this morning and you got some some, some struggles in your life and, and there's some, some doubt in your, in, in your life for what God is, is doing, I just want to remind you this morning that He is still the one. And if you want to come this morning for prayer, you want to come to this altar just to, just for, to, for reflection and just to, just to talk to God for a moment, this altar is open. Just to remember that He is still the one. He is still the one that saved you from your sins the first time. He's the one that's called you for a great purpose in this life. And he's the one that's going to continue into the very end of, of eternity. Until your life is over with here, he's going to continue the work that he's begun in your life. I hope this all made sense to you. Thank you. You know, as the Holy Spirit has spoken this morning, you know, when you th just think about, we've all had those those type of incidents where we didn't have time to to act. Instead of acting, we reacted. And right now, this morning, you have that opportunity to act. Instead of when the situation may present itself, 
It's only a decision that you can make. You can't do it for the person next to you. You see, one thing's for sure is the devil's going to try to come against us. But we have power in the name of Jesus Christ. And our situations does not dictate who God is. God's word dictates the outcome of our situations. The reminder here this morning that he is still the one. That hasn't changed. As Reverend Earl has spoke this morning, that this altar is open, this place is open. We've dedicated this place as God's temple, the place in which the, His presence shall dwell. I'm sure, we've all prayed about situations this week. we remind you this morning that we walk by faith and not by sight. In the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews said that, that those that come to him must must believe must believe must it wasn't a suggestion it wasn't a recommendation must must believe that he is what he is a rewarder to those who casually seek him those who diligently seek him diligently relentlessly we've all been kids one time or we've had kids nephews or nieces or maybe even our dogs our pets they become relentless about something when when they desire it Have you been relentless in your pursuing of him? See, the book of James tells me, it says, it says, come close to God and he will come close to you. But what is But what was the first said? He said, you come close to God. That means I take the first step. God takes a step. I take a step. He takes a step. That tells me that we are the deciding factor of how close we walk with God. Somebody needed to hear that this morning. We are the deciding factor of how close we walk with God. Is a sacrifice really a sacrifice if it didn't cost you anything? Just leave all these thoughts with you this morning. It's not thoughts of our own. These aren't thoughts that, that Reverend Earl has just thought up and said, oh, that just sounds good. No, no, these are words that are inspired that they have been touched by the Holy Spirit.
tells us in the book of Proverbs chapter 2. It says, search, search for me like I'm hidden treasure. If there was $10 million in the walls of your house, you know you'd be pulling the sheetrock off as soon as you got home. Are we not pursuing God in that same reference? Is it because we can't see Him? Is it because He's not answered our prayers the way that we think that He should? leave you with those thoughts this morning thank each one of you for coming out today that you've sacrificed your time Reverend Earl we thank you for bringing us God's heart such a word that, that Pastor James needed to hear as well he's, he's still the one he's still the one that's called me to this position he's still the one that's called me to Wilmington that hasn't changed Lord, and I thank you in these days of certainty. These days of confidence. Of knowing that your word is forever settled in heaven. Again, thank you for coming. I bless you. And I'm going to close this out in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you today. Oh, Lord, for your love. Lord, the name of Jesus. Lord, as we will part ways here, Lord, today and go our separate ways, some will go west and some may it will even go east. Better not drive too far, though. Some will go north. But, Lord, I thank you that you've called us all here together today, Lord. Lord, to be transformed into your likeness and your image. Keep us safe. Lord, as we continue to ponder upon the words that you have spoken to to us this week, Lord, that they are life to those who find them. Let us live in your fullness and all that you've called us to. Until we meet again, Lord, we thank you and we honor you and we praise you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's give Brother Earl a hand clap. Thank you, Brother.